Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. I'm your host, Keith Patrick, here to talk to you a little bit about this weekend series. It was actually a Thursday through Monday, five-game homestand, five games in five days for the Red Raiders. They faced off in the three-game series, sweeping the Michigan Wolverines here in Lubbock, Texas, and then split a two-game series with the Stetson Hatters on Sunday and Monday. I want to dive right in and talk about these five games. We've got quite a bit to cover with those. I'll be back in your feed on Thursday, as is usual, looking ahead to the weekend series, which will be in Manhattan, Kansas, in the Little Apple against Big 12 foe, the Kansas State Wildcats. So the Wolverines came into Lubbock 14-4 and on the season. They were ranked number 22 in some polls. Hadn't really played a lot of competition, did have a good quality win over UCLA, but other than that, hadn't really met a lot of great opponents and hadn't had a lot of great victories either. They came in and after dropping three to the Red Raiders, they did beat Stetson 16-6 to on Saturday night at Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park. So they went back home with a 15-7 and record. So everything fired off for Texas Tech versus Michigan on Thursday afternoon. The Red Raiders kind of got off to a slow start on Thursday. They entered the fifth, and they were actually down one to nothing in the game. They'd only tallied one hit up to that point. Then in the fifth, Cameron Warren hit a leadoff double and came around to score on a single from Max Marshock. Gabe Holt reached on an error, and then Tech pounded three RBI hits in a row from Cole Stilwell, Josh Young, and Brian Klein. Tanner Trimba finished the innings action with an RBI single to center, and so the Red Raiders entering the fifth were down one to nothing. They ended up leaving the fifth up 6-1. Michigan starter Tommy Henry actually pushed his ERA down to a .46. He entered with a sub-1 ERA, sub-1 whip. He was down to a .46 prior to Tech going off for those six runs on six hits in the fifth. They handed Henry his first loss of the season. So you had two pitchers in particular for the Wolverines that came in looking absolutely elite on paper, and the Red Raiders definitely gave them everything they could handle throughout the weekend. So Tech freshman Micah Dallas got his first collegiate start from the bump. He went five innings pitched, had three hits, one run, no walks, and fanned seven. The only hits Dallas allowed were two singles and a solo home run that put Michigan ahead in the fourth. So really, really a strong outing for Dallas. We've seen him have some good outings kind of in the two to three inning range, but hadn't seen him in a start yet. And he came out and was absolutely exceptional. Dane Haven was really strong in relief with two innings pitched. He only allowed one hit and he had three K's in that time. And then offensively, Brian Klein, Max Marshock, and Cole Stilwell all tallied multi-hit games. They combined to go 6-for-12 with five ribbies, four runs scored, and three walks on the night. And then Michigan did a lot to help out. It really did happen a little bit later, starting in the fifth and then later in the game as it got out of hand. But the Wolverines ended up with four errors on the night. I got to that game a little bit late, had a meeting for work. Those first five innings happened in less than an hour. And then all of a sudden, I 
I look up after the meeting ends and check the score, and it's 6-1 as I'm heading to the ballpark. So just a quick turnaround there, and then things kind of fell apart. The game slowed down, and Michigan started making some silly mistakes. But as a heckler in the stands, those silly mistakes sure are fun to rag them about when it all comes down to it. I'm sure they weren't having as much fun as we were. So the Red Raiders ultimately get that first win in the series, 11-2. to just really pounded on the Wolverines. We didn't expect them to come in and be elite, but you do expect a, a Power 5 team and a team that Coach Tadlock gave some credit to and said that he feels like will be a team that will probably be contending for a Big Ten championship before it's all said and done this year. You just expect a little bit more fight out of them. Just weren't able to hold up to the Red Raiders' offensive onslaught or really get anything accomplished against Micah Dallas and Dane Haveman in that game. So the Red Raiders roll into Friday, and Coach Tadlock had said that he would definitely be starting Dallas on Thursday. He'd be starting Caleb Killian on Friday, and then the rest of the weekend would be Lanning, Bonin, and and Mason Montgomery uh, in just whatever order he decided as they went along. So you head into Friday. You do know that Caleb Killian is starting. Caleb Killian didn't get to mention it before. He ended up garnering Big 12 Pitcher of the Week honors for his Saturday outing against the Texas Longhorns, the only game the Red Raiders won out of that, that road trip series. Killian came out in a game that actually got moved up. The game was supposed to be at 6.30 p.m. It actually got moved up to 4. There was some impending weather they were worried about. I was going to miss this game to go call a high school baseball game, but didn't end up having to do that and was able to to get out there to the ballpark and see most of this one. The rain never came. It was a pretty evening of baseball. Of course, there was some Lubbock wind associated, but nothing too crazy. Tech secured that series win behind 14 hits on the day. The offense was strong on Friday, just as it had been on Thursday. But Caleb Killian secured his second win in as many starts. He had six innings pitched. He allowed five hits, two runs. Only one of them earned no walks and had six Ks. So really some strong performances we've seen now from Caleb Killian. So in the postgame press conference, Killian was asked if his performance against the Longhorns had carried over until today, and this is what he had to say about that. Or did it kind of carry over after your game at Texas, mm-hmm. winning, earning the player of the week, or pitcher of the week? Uh, did that kind of carry over to today? Or uh, Yeah, I think it probably gave me some more confidence. But I uh, talked to some coaches and decided to start over after mm-hmm. I, all my pretty poor performances. <laughs> so, um, told me to start the season now before Texas, and I don't know. I feel like I've been doing better now. You know, I think that's really interesting what it is that Killian said there because, you know, we talk so much about what a mental game baseball is and how baseball is just about staying within yourself and going pitch to pitch, especially, you know, on the mound up there, but really at the plate as well. And it's so interesting to hear a guy like Killian, who's a serious baseball player, obviously a competitor, but how mental it was for him just to have a good conversation with coaches to kind of reset, reframe in his mind and get out there and just forget about it, all the other junk that had gone on before and some admittedly poor performances. So now you've had two weeks in a row of really quality starts from him. In fact, in his last two starts, he's posted a .69 ERA in 13 innings pitched. He's had 10 Ks to only two walks in that time. So two games, he's had 10 Ks, only two walks. That's pretty strong for Caleb Killian and definitely a nice thing to see at this point in the season, especially if he continues growing and getting stronger, having that upward trajectory as you head towards Big 12 Conference play and ultimately the postseason. 
So that strong offensive day that I mentioned of 14 hits was led by five Red Raiders. They all pounded out multi-hit games. Cameron Warren went three for four. He had a run scored and two ribbies. Cody Masters, Brian Klein, and Tanner O'Trimba and Max Marshock all added two hit efforts to the day as well. They combined to go eight for 15 with six runs scored, three ribbies, and a walk. Josh Young was one for four on the day. He had a run scored and a walk, but he was really special defensively. He backhanded back-to-back ground balls to his right to get the outs he needed to end the inning uh, with the go-ahead run in scoring position on second. So that ended the Wolverine rally in the fifth, and then Tech exploded with a five-run six to go ahead for good. It's really hard, just as in any other sport, to say, well, if this hadn't have happened, then this would have happened. And obviously in football, that's very difficult. Baseball, that's a particularly difficult game, but there are some some things that you do know. If that hadn't happened, if Young hadn't made those plays and that run came home, all of a sudden you're in a tie ball game or potentially the Wolverines take the lead. What we do know in baseball is that changes the way you pitch to guys. It changes the the tightness of your defense. It changes and reduces some of your options from the mound, some of your options with the pitch selection, some of the things you can do on the base paths and how aggressive you can be to get outs. All of a sudden, it changes the complexion of the game. So by Josh Young making two great defensive plays and good pitches coming there from your pitcher, you're able to keep these guys down, and then your offense has the freedom to explode and really put the game out of reach for them. So really, really important to see that kind of stuff from him, especially as he's I guess, quote unquote, struggled right now. It's funny to say somebody's struggling that's hitting like 333, but he has struggled a little bit as compared to last year from the plate. So to see him still making defensive plays and really doing what he needs to do over there on the hot corner to be an elite third baseman, I think that's important for him and important for his confidence going forward as well. So on Saturday, the Red Raiders wrapped up the sweep. It's a beautiful day for baseball out there. A lot of fun. Texas Tech played it a run in six of the eight innings on the day, and they finished the series outscoring Michigan 29-10. to Now, Saturday was a little bit tighter. The Red Raiders beat the Wolverines 11-2 to on Thursday, 10-3 to on Friday. But then Saturday, the game was a lot tighter throughout, and the Red Raiders only end up winning 8-5. to Now, Cody Masters started things off right with a solo home run in the first, his third of the season. Josh Young hits a second dinger of the season. His first came on Sunday against the Texas Longhorns, and that scored Gabe Holt. Then Cameron Warren hits a solo shot as well. That's his team-leading sixth time going yard in 2019. So you get three dingers on the day. That's always fun and exciting. Nice to see Josh Young out there hitting one. Cam Warren has continued to be a solid power hitter this season. I believe Cam hit 10 home runs last season, so to see him at six already at this point is definitely nice to see. I I had kind of predicted that he'd get himself up into the teens, and I definitely think he can. So as I said, this game was much closer than the others in the series. Tech led one to nothing until a four-run Michigan third put him up four-run. The Red Raiders responded with two in the bottom of the third and then another in the fourth to tie it up. Then both teams scored runs in the fifth, and the game was tied 5-5 going into the seventh. So Caleb Freeman ultimately earns the win. He has two-thirds of an inning pitched. He allows one hit, no runs, no walks, and and has one strikeout. So that seventh inning that it's tied 5-5, Freeman comes in with bases loaded, two outs, and the game tied. So he produces a grounder to Josh Young for the final out. That was just a big, big moment for Caleb Freeman. He had pitched earlier in the weekend as well, but positive for him to come in and and get the out that he needs. Now, 
Caleb Freeman hasn't quite been this season what we saw him become last season. I think the velo is still there. Just something about the control is not quite fitting for him. He's not putting pitches where he wants to, but I definitely think you'll see him continue to battle because he can still be a weapon for the Red Raiders coming out of the bullpen. Gabe Holt went two for five with two runs scored. He had two doubles and a stolen base. Just one, once again, Mr. Consistency. Even in games where Gabe Holt is over. He finds a way to reach on an error, or he gets a walk and then comes around and scores after stealing bags. I mean, he's just constantly out there doing everything he can, even if the balls aren't falling for him. And Gabe's making good contact. You're not seeing tons of strikeouts for him. Just kind of struggling a little bit with the ball falling where it needs to. We definitely saw that from the Red Raiders on Sunday as we talk about the Stetson series here in a minute. Just a lot of atom balls. Lots of stuff getting hit at guys. Sometimes that's just the way baseball goes. It's a little bit frustrating, but just the way it happens. But these guys will continue to battle through, and you'll start to see them improve. And we'll talk a little bit about how that may be beginning to happen as well. So Erickson Lanning was your starter on Saturday. He really struggled from the mound. He only went two and a third inning pitched. He gave up five hits, four runs, three of them earned. He didn't walk anybody and only had one K. Dane Haveman came in. He pitched two shutout innings and struck out three of the six batters he faced. So that was a strong contribution from Haveman. He's leading the team with appearances still. And then Clayton Beater tallied his fourth save of the season. He went one and two thirds only allowed one hit, no runs, no walks, and he had two strikeouts. Beater continues to be impressive. He did struggle a little bit later in the weekend, but overall, he's a guy that you feel really confident bringing him out of the bullpen to get him into a save situation. It's it's a lot of fun to get, watch him go out there and throw. He is definitely living up to the billing we heard when he was recruited. It's nice to see a young man bounce back from an injury and be able to make some things happen. So as far as the Stetson Hatters go, you split the series with them, you lose the Sunday game 5-7 to seven in the 10th inning, and then you win Monday 5-4. So on Sunday, the Red Raiders suffer their first home loss since opening day. Freshman left-hander Daniel Parrott was strong for the Hatters. He only allowed two runs on three hits and seven innings pitched. The Red Raiders were led offensively by Gabe Holt. He went one for four with a run scored, two walks, and two stolen bases. And then also Dylan Noisy, who went two for four with a walk and one stolen base. Stepson jumped out to an early 3-0 lead. And then after back-to-back doubles from Drew Baker and Josh Young, the Red Raiders trailed 3-1. Tech drew nine walks on the day and had two hit batsmen. So they were definitely the beneficiaries of a lot of free passes. Now, getting, you know, wearing one is you're not going to get a whole lot of credit for that, but standing in there for nine walks, that really shows some plate discipline. That's something this team is known for, for battling back. Definitely saw some Red Raiders get down early and then battle back to full counts to draw those walks. Getting up there and spoiling pitches and protecting the plate and making those guys pitch to you is what this team is about. So it's good to see them doing more of that, not jumping on early pitches and, you know, these three up, three down innings. You know, when Dylan Noisy was late coming out of the dugout in the Texas series, you know, there was a lot of talk about that. But what really caused that was that the Red Raiders went down in a five pitch inning. That is not the MO of this team at the plate. They should be up there working, protecting, battling, pushing up pitch counts on guys. So it was a funny situation, and Noisy came out waving and, and smiling at the crowd, but what it really comes down to is the Red Raiders do not need to be in any three-up, three-down situation, certainly not a five-pitch inning uh, is when you're at bat. So uh, it was good to see them out there battling. 
So Gabe Holt drew a walk in the third, and then he swiped second and third, and he scored on a sack fly by Brian Klein. So the Hatters lead 5-2, and then Cam Warren hits an RBI single in the eighth to close to close it to 5-3. The Red Raiders loaded the bases on free passes in the ninth, and then Juco transfer Doug Facindo stepped in, and he slapped a two-out, two-RBI double down the left field line to force extra innings. So Facendo is someone that we saw a lot of earlier in the season. Then he kind of cooled off. His back got a little cool. Haven't seen as much of him. He came in cold in a pinch hit situation and just did a great job getting up there and getting the hit the Red Raiders needed. It was a great double. It was your last opportunity to make something happen to keep this game going. So it was nice to see that. Unfortunately, ultimately, an RBI single and a pass ball gave the Hatters a 7-5 lead, and then that handed Clayton Beater his first loss. Mason Montgomery got the start for Tech on the bump on Sunday. He only went three innings pitched. He had five hits. He allowed four runs, three of them earned. He had four walks and only two strikeouts. Just not the best day for Montgomery. He has been strong throughout the season. This was definitely not a great start for him. He has gone longer for sure. But I think a guy that you'll see still getting opportunities, at least for now, in the weekend rotation. Now, Taylor Floyd came in, and he had an incredibly strong relief effort. He went three innings pitched, only allowed one hit, no walks. He fanned seven. Now, he did hit one batter, but overall, not allowing any runs or walks there. That was really strong by Floyd coming in 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 that relief effort. And then finally, you have the Monday game. Now, as I mentioned, the the Hatters had met the Wolverines on Saturday night and lost 16-6. to So after sweeping Michigan and then seeing them lay the smackdown on Stetson 16-6, to I have to admit that I expected the Red Raiders to go in there and just kind of wreck shop on these guys. I'd, and maybe that's what the Red Raiders expected too because they did not play their best baseball. They were a little bit frustrating at the plate, kind of back to some of those woes. And I will say also that you saw Coach Tadlock – doing more experimenting throughout the weekend. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But on Monday, we probably saw the most experimentation, and a good bit of that was with the lineup. And for the first time that I can remember, possibly the first time in his career, Gabe Holt was not the leadoff hitter for the Red Raiders. He actually batted in the two-hole and gave way to Dylan Noisy, who led off on the day. So Bryce Bonin, he really turned in a strong start for the Red Raiders. He went six and a third innings pitched. He had one hit, only allowed one run, four walks, and three Ks. He exited, and Dane Haveman turned in. For Haveman, what was really a subpar performance compared to the high bar he set this season, he allowed the Hatters to close the gap to 5-4. So one of those runs was charged to Bonin. That was the only hit and only base runner he'd allowed on the day. But then it just wasn't a good day for Haveman. And all of a sudden, you see this 5-0 lead dwindle down to 5-4, and then you have Ryan Sablet come in. Dylan Noisy was really clutch for the Red Raiders. He had a team-leading 12th multi-hit game. He's second on the team with 10 swipe bags, and he hasn't been caught yet. He went two for four with a ribby, a run scored, and a stolen base in his first game in the leadoff spot. He scored Easton Morrell, who had his first start and his first hit, which was a leadoff double in the third as a Red Raider. And then Gabe Holt did what it takes to get on base, as usual. That's what Gabe Holt does. He does what it takes to get on base. He didn't record a hit on the day, but he did draw an important walk. He stole a base, and that put him in scoring position. And then Josh Young fired off a two-run triple, which scores Holt. So Holt leads the team with 15 steals on 18 attempts as well on the season. So... 
Still seeing strong play from Gabe Holt. I know he's frustrated right now because he's not hitting the way he wants to, even though he's still doing a pretty strong job. But I think you'll see him come back on. He's still out there swiping bags. He's still drawing walks, doing whatever it takes to get out there and play for his team. I appreciate that about the young man. He's always willing to get out there, and he just kind of brings a grit to the field that is nice to see. So Josh Young went three for four on the day. He had a run scored and two ribbies. That's his 18th RBI of the season and his eighth multi-hit game, his sixth multi-RBI game. So here's where I think we may see a trend breaking a little bit. I don't want to jinx him, but I think things are are kind of trending in the right direction. Seven of Josh Young's last nine hits have gone for extra bases. So I know people have been talking about him being slumpy and him you know, kind of being down. Let's put that in perspective. Josh Young came out of last season's first four-game series against Maine. I think he had a 750 batting average coming out of that series. As he drifted down to about 400, he settled in there, and he really flirted with 400, 390 to 400 for the rest of the season. Josh Young had an incredible year at the plate. So this season, we're saying he's slumping, but he's been batting in the 333 range, and currently his official batting average is at a 342. So anytime you're a guy that's slumping at 342, I mean, you know, move over Ted Williams. This guy is legit when it comes to Josh Young. So I'm not really worried about him. It was nice to see him get his second dinger of the season. I think you'll see a little bit more power out of him. It's nice to see him trending upward with these extra base hits. Certainly what you want to see from him, you really see teams change what they're doing when Josh Young steps to the plate. Cameron Warren has been getting put on. They've been intentionally walking him in several situations throughout the season. But when you pitch around Josh Young, when you change your defense, your infield defense, your outfield plays incredibly deep, you give Josh Young opportunities to put the ball where he wants to. I mean, he's a foul pole to foul pole guy. He can really do some things out there, and I think that that's what you want to see from him. I'll also say that there was a point, our old buddy Doyle, he struck again. Now, I talked about him officiating the Friday night game from Wichita State. He was at the plate with the call that night. Not a solid strike zone. Not a good job behind the plate, in my opinion. I understand he's a nice guy that takes the the game seriously, but I was not impressed with what he did there. And then he was actually at third base, in the Sunday game, Josh Young hit a scorcher just inside the third base bag. And for some reason, Doyle called it foul. So there was a lot of arguing going on in the field. Coach Tadlock was over there coaching third. He barked at him for quite a while. Uh, the fans were just up in arms, myself included. It was a horrible call. There was another extra base hit that Josh Young could have had there. I think he ended up drawing a walk on that one anyway, but you know, there's a hit that he could have had. So I think you've seen him trending a little bit upward, excited about that. There's a lot of great players on this team. Josh Young is certainly one of them. I think he's a guy that you want when you're talking about this team being successful, he's a guy that you want playing at his highest levels. And I hope he's trending that direction as you head into big 12 play. So Ryan Sublette came in to earn his first save for the Red Raiders in this Monday game. He tossed an inning of one-hit baseball, and he had one strikeout. So he worked out of trouble in the ninth. He had the tying run in scoring position, and he ended up getting the K he needed to preserve the win. It was a little bit of a tense moment. I was actually sitting in a meeting, kind of sneaking a peek there on my computer. I was frustrated to see that there was a runner on, frustrated that... You would allow these guys to claw their way back in. They're not a trash team by any means. We know that they're a good team. They're a super regional team from last year, but they're down, and you felt like the Red Raiders were going to play them a little tougher, so you're glad to get the win today. It was just kind of a frustrating way to do it. 
So to wrap all of that up, the Red Raiders play five games in five days in a big homestand. They go four and one in that time. I know plenty will think the sky is falling, but four and one against two quality opponents. Five days of baseball is a lot of baseball to play straight through without any breaks. I mean, you saw guys pitching multiple times, Haveman, Freeman, others. You got good starts from almost everyone. You you had good relievers come in behind them if you didn't have a great start. Taylor Floyd is one that comes to mind. Trey Garlett, we saw him come back out of the pen. Had a couple of hit batsmen, but otherwise had a fairly fairly good outing as well. So just a lot of solid performances this weekend. And I think that it, this is a good one. You know, I told you that the Texas series is not a bad loss for the Red Raiders. Winning one in Austin was a positive. Of course, you wanted to win more. But then here you come. I know that you want the sweep. I know that you want the Red Raiders to just dominate everybody. But this is baseball. It's a long season sport. Occasionally, there's going to be a loss, even one that you don't like. Or you can't explain. Not that we like any loss. So going four and one in a five game and five days homestand is, is pretty good. And it was a it was a good weekend for the Red Raiders. And, you know, I think that maybe some things got back on track. I feel like pitching is in a really good spot right now. But before we talk about those few concerns, I do want to give out some awards. I've got a hitter of the series, pitcher of the series, and player of the series as usual. I'm considering all five games in this one. So with the absence of a midweek last week and these games all being played in consecutive days, we'll just consider all five games. So for the hitter of the series, and I've been waiting to say this for a long time, I'm going to give this one to Josh Young. He wasn't lights out, but he did go 7 of 19. He had four runs scored, seven ribbies. He had three walks. He also wore one, got a free pass there. He had his second dinger of the season. He had a sack fly. He had two doubles and a triple as well. I think that's just a strong performance from him. It's good to see him stepping back up, getting more comfortable at the plate. I can tell you guys, this dude puts in an unbelievable amount of work to be who he is, and he does it for this team. So he's getting up there at you know, 7 o'clock or earlier every morning. He's constantly in the cages. I'll tell you this, from where I park, I can often see the players leaving the ballpark. I generally see Josh Young come talk to his parents, and then he heads back in and he goes to work. And I'll tell you, I see him talk to his parents, and everybody kind of parts ways and does their thing. And the next thing I hear are the tings of bats on balls. And I can tell you that I know that Josh Young's out there in the cage is working again. And so I think that's his work ethic. That's his focus. That's what he's out there doing. So all this time that he's been quote unquote slumping, I can guarantee you he's been working his tail off. Not every player works that way. Not every player needs to work that way, but he's a guy that that's what elevates his game is constant work. And when you're in a quote unquote slump in baseball, whether that's a real slump or one where you're only hitting 330, it's impressive to see a guy get out there and you got to battle through it. You got to keep trusting your process and working on your approach and working on your swing and getting things done. And that's what he's been doing. So excited for him. Hitter of the series is Josh Young. The pitcher of the series, not a huge surprise. There were some several good outings this weekend, but I'm going to give this one to Micah Dallas. Five innings pitched, one run scored on three hits, no walks and seven Ks. It's his first collegiate start. To come out in your first collegiate start, a guy out of Aubrey, Texas, and to come out here and there he is just tearing it up against a Power 5 opponent at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park in a series opener, no less, on the Thursday. Just 
Great job by him. I think he's going to be something special. I felt like Coach Tadlock really liked his stuff back in the fall, and now we're seeing the fruits of that. He took a little bit longer. They gave him a little bit more time to come along, got him a few more appearances. Now we've seen him in a start. I'm going to bet that we start seeing him on weekends very soon. I think he's a guy that's going to get opportunities to make weekend starts for the Red Raiders and that you're going to see him getting put into some bigger situations as they prepare him mentally to be a guy that they can lean on later in the season. He's going to be one of those freshmen that we tell stories about a few years down the road. And then finally, the player of the series, I'm going to give this one to Brian Klein. Just Mr. Consistency over there. Brian Klein went six for 16 on the weekend. He scored three runs. He had six ribbies, five walks, and a sack fly. So Klein's just currently tearing it up. I mean, plain and simple. He's getting on base a ton. He's doing everything that's asked of him. He's playing well in the field. He's batting a 367 right now. That's good for second on the team. He's second in hits with 29. He's third with 22 ribbies. He's drawn a team leading 19 walks. He's the only regular starter that has less than 10 strikeouts, and it's Brian Klein. He leads the team with five sack flies on the season as well. He's just become Mr. Consistent. I mean, he's doing a ton to help his team win ball games. And I think you say Brian Klein, and you think like, oh, yeah, he's pretty good over there at second base. You know, he's a solid player. I specifically remember some of the hits he made last season. I mean, he was. He's a solid player, not unbelievably athletic, not unbelievably fast, just a guy that goes out there and gets it done. Well, that's true, but this season, that approach, that type of play, that style of play has made him very consistent and a great utility player for the Red Raiders. So I don't think you'll see him move out of second base anytime soon, but he has definitely solidified his place in the lineup, and he has been really, really strong for the Red Raiders, and I'm excited to see him keep playing. He's a guy that I just really enjoy seeing be successful. So I'm going to wrap things up today and just talk about what we've learned, especially through this five-game stand. So I think one of the big things, and it's a little bit concerning, the Red Raiders have some unanswered questions right now. This is not a team that you could say, yep, tomorrow, Omaha, let's do it. These are guys that they've got a lot to figure out still. You know, you've still got some errors biting you. you got some bonehead things biting you a little bit. It's just not quite there. You felt like early in the season your offense was really coming on. Your pitching needed to catch up. Now the pitching is looking really strong, both starting rotation and the pin, and you've got some bullpen guys that you feel like are going to break into that rotation and are starting to get those opportunities. But then now the offense is becoming a little more inconsistent. Some guys are coming on. Some guys aren't quite figuring it out. Defensively, one of the biggest question marks you have is at shortstop. So you've seen Drew Baker, Gabe Holt, and Easton Morrell all start at shortstop at this point. You saw Baker most of the season. Holt got two games this week. He didn't seem particularly comfortable out there. From what I understand, Gabe Holt wanted to go back to right field. He hasn't played shortstop since high school, so you certainly can't fault the young man for wanting to have more time under his belt. You know he spent the entire offseason working on being an outfielder and, you know, on, on working in right field and doing the things he needs to do and reading balls. He's made great reads out there. He's had a couple of moments of difficulty gathering the ball, maybe, or popping one out of the glove, uh, on the gathering, you know, trying to make the throw. But for the most part, he's been pretty solid. He's made some pretty good throws out there. It's just, it's a learning process, I think, but there's certainly nothing to fault him with. I think he's been a a pretty good right fielder. Uh, To throw him in at shortstop, I understand it. If I recall, Gabe was the number two shortstop coming out of Georgia in high school. Of course, a lot of these guys played shortstop in high school. I mean, that's kind of how it goes on a high school team, but 
all in all, I mean, you just got some questions to answer there. Baker has not been super consistent. He's made some really nice plays, but then he's also struggled with some easier plays at shortstop. You saw him get yanked in Frisco after an error. Morrell went in, then he committed an error of his own. So Morrell gets the start uh, on Monday. He was okay there. And if you're not aware, by the way, Easton Morrell, he's the other player that transferred from Arkansas in addition to Bryce Bonin. So another Arkansas transfer that came in was immediately eligible. And as I said, Gabe Holt, he made some really nice plays at short in these two starts. He was there, but then he had an error as well. So it's just tough, and you're getting later in the season here. I mean, you need to find somebody that you can stick with. The other frustration there, Baker's just struggling at the plate right now as well. So you just don't really have an answer for that spot. You also saw both Morell and Holt with some confusion as far as who's covering second. Uh, you know, you had a base runner on first. It really just depends on the situation and what defense has been called, but you got to depend on that shortstop and second baseman to know who's covering that bag if that runner's coming. You had Braxton Fulford and I believe Fulford again that tossed a ball out into center field because you know they threw a ball that just split their own middle infield. There was nobody covering the bag to snag the ball for you know to try to catch the runner stealing. So those are just mistakes that they're going to happen in baseball, but they're things that you would hope these guys can get figured out and that their communication would get better. Now initially, when you saw Gabe Holt go in at shortstop, it was because Drew Baker missed his start for a sore back. Tim Tadlock talked about that in a press conference. He did defend it a little bit, saying, you know, with a sore back, you feel like you're good, but you're not really, and you can twist the wrong way, and adrenaline can come into play with it. But he also made a comment there. There was a question about if once Baker was feeling better, he would go back to the position. And Tadlock said, you know, there's always a competition. We're always looking to get better. If you want another answer, you should go research Wally Pip. Now, if you're not aware so Wally Pipp was the starting first baseman for the Yankees back in 1925. So it's kind of an apocryphal story, but what it all boils down to is Wally Pipp had a headache. He asked the manager if he could sit a day. They said, yeah, absolutely. I'll put this young kid Garrig in till you feel better. And then 2,130 games later, Lou Gehrig finally came out of the Yankees lineup. So for a headache, Wally Pipp lost his position to Lou Gehrig, who then went on the longest streak of consecutive games in baseball history. So just up to that, you know, at that point. So just absolutely wild that Coach Tadlock mentions Wally Pip, and you wonder, well, are you saying that Gabe Holt is Lou Gehrig and that Drew Baker has lost his position? Or are you saying Drew Baker needs to man up and get out there and play and not not miss for a sore back or, in Wally Pip's case, just a headache? So – not really sure about that. Coach Tadlock made a Wally Pip reference as well when Cody Farhad ended up taking the job away from Tanner Gardner in center field. So kind of expected to see a little bit more competition there. And then suddenly Baker's back out, and then you see Morrell get an opportunity. But when the team went to, to extra innings in the Sunday game, we were sitting there in the stands, and, and you know you end up with a lot of changes because you'd been pinch hitting and pinch running. You, you pinch ran for Josh Young as well. So you end up with Parker Kelly in the game, Easton Morrell's in the game, Cole Stilwell is catching instead of Fulford. You have a lot of changes out there. And as we started thinking about it, you only had a couple of position players left on the bench. I think you had TJ Rumfeld left on the bench and Mason Menzi, who's a, a catcher. And I don't really know that there was anybody else. So you're kind of in a position now where you've got some guys they've been playing in, Otremba, Masters, Marshock have been getting opportunities, Baker, and you're just not seeing any big 
anybody step up and, and grab their opportunity and you're starting to run out of people to try out and you're running out of time to do it. When it comes to DH as well, the Red Raiders have not found an answer there. So we've moved past the time in the year that we saw Zach Ream step up in 2018 and claim that role. For him, that really solidified in the Baylor series, which if you would compare, that would really be kind of like the Texas series last weekend. So you've had Cody Masters and Max Marshawk have been getting some time at DH, rolling in and out of the field. Marshawk's been playing a fair amount of left field. Cole Stilwell's had some opportunities at DH. Tanner Otrimba has been in and out of right field, depending on where Gabe Holt is. He's had some opportunities at DH. Doug Facendo was kind of the hot hand early in the season, and he's he fell off a little bit. Then on Sunday, and, and it was to some extent a lack of options, nothing against Facendo, but you'd, you'd moved a lot of guys out and pinched for a lot of guys. Facendo goes in, he gets the game-tying double to force extra innings, but then he followed that, he got the opportunity on Monday, and he went 0 for 4. So nobody's really stepped up in that role, and it's certainly an important one for the Red Raiders. It was a lightning rod of a position last season with Zach Reams, somebody who hit 18 home runs. And really right now, your biggest deep threat has been Cameron Warren. Josh Young potentially coming on a little bit now will add another threat there, but just not seeing a lot of guys jump into that position and starting to wonder if they're going to be there or if it's going to happen or not. And then the last thing is the corner outfielders. So I kind of mentioned it a second ago. That's kind of a constant change train. I mean, you're seeing experiment experimentation that's just constantly expressed there. You know, you see Noisy and left starting out in the season. You saw Trimba in and out of right field, depending on what Gabe Holt's doing. You've got Max Marshot going into left. Noisy's gotten fairly solid out in center field, but you've seen Gabe Holt in center field as well at, at points in the season. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Coach Tadlock wants Max Marshock in the lineup. I mean, there's just a ton of speed and talent there. There's a ton of speed in the outfield, ton of speed on the base paths, but he's got to be able to hit. At one point over the weekend, he pulled his average up to somewhere around 250, and now he's settled back down to 216. Just, it's got to be frustrating for him. I know it's frustrating for Coach Tadlock. Just would love to see him put some things together there and see the ball a little bit better, get himself out there and solidify a position. So when it comes down to it, I mean, I think you've got some pretty big questions in the field. You know, last year, everything was pretty set. You had some guys that were set up. Really, the big change you saw was Gabe Holt going out to right field. That was kind of your biggest change. You saw him out there, Brian Klein at second, something you got used to, and and off you went. But now here you are, you're getting to the, the heart of Big 12 play. You're going into a Big 12 series next weekend on the road, and you'll continue those Big 12 series throughout the rest of the season. And now you just don't have some answers there from DH, from shortstop, and really some of your outfield is still fairly fluid as you experiment. You also have probably your strongest defensive catcher in Braxton Fulford. He's done a good job. He's cooled off a little bit at the plate, but you've seen some frustrations there with Stillwell. He's just not been strong behind the plate. I really expected more from him as a defensive catcher, so definitely would love to see somebody step up and really be a strong number two for the Red Raiders. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. I appreciate you hanging with me. We had a lot to cover as we went over this five-game homestand. The Red Raiders are headed to Manhattan, Kansas this weekend to face the Kansas State Wildcats. They won't be back to the friendly confines of Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park until the weekend of April 5th facing the Kansas Jayhawks. They'll have a two-game midweek next week, April 2nd and 3rd, playing the New Mexico Lobos in Albuquerque. So I'll be in your feed Thursday to preview the Wildcats, and if I don't talk to you before then, wreck them.
Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me